The content of this podcast is provided as general informational purposes only. It is not intended for, nor should it be used to replace professional behavior intervention and advice. This is Sissy. And this is Susan. And we are Function Junction. Behavior matters. Behavior does matter. I'm so excited that Stephanie was able to join us again. If you've listened, you know that we were sure that we were ready to roll with her interview. And it somehow went into the atmosphere and never to be seen again. Um, And she has been kind enough to come back and join us. So we're excited to talk with her. Stephanie, if you want to remind our listeners, you are the principal at a campus called Liberty Elementary, and you've been doing some amazing things um, with regard to behavior at PBIS. And, you know, I thought maybe you could just talk to us a little bit about or a lot about um, kind of how you made that shift from being a special ed program to a gen ed program. Absolutely. I will, I will tell you, it's um, been kind of a, a process, definitely. It wasn't just one year we did one thing and the next year we read a book and did something else. Just historically looking back, we had a couple of years ago, you know, the state of Texas decided maybe not then, maybe it was just, it came to my attention a few years ago, the disproportionate discipline and kind of the, the talk surrounding that. And it really honestly kind of hurt my heart just that you know, what do you mean that, that we're all people in education? Um, so we're here to help kids and nobody would purposely kind of give discipline differently to one group of children over a different group of children. But when you start really digging into the data, the data did say something different. And that is that is statewide, probably nationwide, but definitely statewide. So um, it made me it just really conflicted me and made me want to dig in deeper and say, is this really happening in my world and my personal world? And definitely, you know, we had to kind of look critically at it and say, okay, there's some data here that we are not happy with. So we need to start really looking at everything that we're doing with data. So that's what started it in about two years ago. So we just really started really looking at PBIS and getting an entire team trained to learn first about what even is that. Um, And even, you know, now you hear people talking about PBIS and misunderstanding it and saying, oh, we've done that once. And and again, it's a, it's a process too. So even kind of going through the mindset of, you know, kind of weeding out this, it's not just all about candy and and positives. There's an entire process and really learning. Um, And so we spent an entire semester with a team learning ourselves and really talking about how does that fit with our campus and our staff and, and how to roll it out and get their input. All of that was really important. At the same time, you know, we did have some things in place to set up for our children with with special needs, you know. Yeah, just for our listeners, PBIS is Positive oh. Behavioral Interventions and Supports. And in Texas, we really try to make it school-wide and then classroom-wide. And so um, I just want to make that clarification. Thanks. Yeah, and thank it is you. a requirement in the state of Texas. I mean, you, there it is a requirement that teachers have training on PBIS and understand it. And you're right. It is not a one and done kind of thing. It is an ongoing process. The other thing that you said that I think some listeners might not understand is the whole disproportionality thing oh, yeah. um, that the state of Texas has recognized. And they look at different groups of children like African-Americans, African-American boys, Asian children, you know, girls, boys, all of that. And they look, do you have a disproportionality in whether they're, you know, being disciplined or are going to an alternative campus or any of those things? And I was like you, I was shocked to think, 
Really? Really? As educators, we're doing that? And then when you look at the stats, in fact, you don't get bumped into trouble unless it's two and a half times, particularly with African-American children. And you think we find that acceptable. We find it acceptable that as long as it's under two and a half times more, (laughs) that's okay. No, that's not okay. But you know, you have to start somewhere, I suppose, just like with a special education student's IEP, you know, we'll, we'll start, we'll make that our bar, get that under control, and then help people begin to remember that it's important how you discipline. It is important. And and to look critically at it and not, you know, because, you know, it's you on one hand, we say we need to discipline um, children individually, because we do. We absolutely do. But if you individually do this child differently than you individually do the next child and you don't really realize it, then that's where it becomes problematic. So um, we have to always look at data. We've always looked at academic data. So this is just really digging deeper. So that's what kind of conflicted me. And honestly, it was a couple of years ago. Um, And at that time at our school, we had traditional programs like in-school suspension that we call ISS a lot of times. We had obviously out of school suspension. We even at the elementary level, which now I look back and think, my goodness, but we had um, DAEP or a disciplinary alternative educational placement um, for, you know, your like eight-year-olds. <laughs> so, right. um, okay. and that was just two years ago. So we've really, really switched. So at that time, when you start really reading and looking at data, if you really, really look at data critically with a team, and you see it just glares at you. Once you know, you can't pretend you don't know. You know, you have to address the issue. And um, so that's where we were. And thankfully, you know, I was able to have a great team that saw it the same way I did. Mm -hmm. And so then we started researching, okay, what does that mean for our campus? And what are some things we can put into place here? Um, Because it can't just be, you know, I mean, this is maybe sounds terrible, but you also can't just, if, if say, your data shows that you have been disciplining, say, putting children in in school suspension that are African-American more often than other children with the same behavior. You can't just all of a sudden not discipline children that are African-American. So that's why, and um, Dr. Catley, you had said, well, how do you, you know, how did you kind of move from here? That's how it had to go to general ed because it, it's all children. We had to do better with all children. Um, and create a climate on our campus that is clear what the expectations are and that we understand our goal is for children to learn how to be successful in the general education classroom. And we have to teach that. We have to teach all of that. Um, Not everybody comes with the same skill set in that area. And that's our job. Especially now. And, you know, Stephanie, you can see it right from the moment you walk in the door of the campus. It's a culture. And it's a happy culture, you know, like, you know, when you go into a campus and have a secretary or the, the receptionist greets you, you know, the culture of the school and the culture of your school is so caring and so nurturing and so positive and everybody's smiling. You know, it's just a really happy place to be. And when I learned about what you were doing, you had not yet started it. Right. So you had like kind of the special ed program that served special ed kids And then you eventually made a huge shift. We did. When we had that traditional program, we had then a special ed program that helped children that did struggle behaviorally. And we even had some things that we still have in place now, but we have it for all children where a child that maybe gets off the bus or comes out of the car 
has trouble transitioning into the classroom successfully, we have a way that they can check in a safe classroom for them to go to additional adults on campus that they know and they know where to go and what to do, places to take breaks and things like that. But there are so many children that have very similar needs that just don't have a label. And right. so that's when I started thinking, well, do you really need a label to go take a break? I mean, that doesn't even make right. sense to me. And so we just really started um Again, as a team brainstorming, what can this look like? And so people, if they come visit our campus, and of course, I always welcome that because we like feedback and, and also to, to be proud of what we're doing. If I give your name to just about everybody who is <laughs> working on campus-wide positive behavioral support. So it's, it is actually going, it's it's going very well. Um, but one of the things that that we did early on, I think might be misunderstood if someone were to just come in and say, okay, we have this behavior team and we do, we have a behavior team and we have a teacher and three paraprofessionals on that team that help support all of the things that we're doing campus-wide. But I didn't add additional staff. And I think that's a really a critical piece because if you look at it, especially in the economic times we have right now, you can't just add staff to support this. So what we did because I, there's no research that I have found that um, in-school suspension alone works. <laughs> so we use that person as a part of our behavior team. So we don't have a traditional ISS or in-school suspension. So, and then also that I told you we had a, a DAEP or disciplinary placement and that person is no longer in that position. They're part of the behavior team. So, you know, we really just took the people that were helping just our special ed staff and added the others. And the whole thing is just more proactive. And in that two years, once we did start deciding that this was going to, it just was going to happen. And thankfully I had a team that agreed with me. Um, and then we just had to figure out how to help teachers understand and get to that point because it's a mindset and we still work on it every day. It's not, you know, because even, you know, I have my own, my own children and my own child who's almost 14 and becoming that teenager. He's a, an amazing kid, but he is becoming that teenager. And I just want to, I just want to shut him in his room. I want to say you're grounded forever. Well, that, <laughs> I mean, that doesn't work, but it's the same mentality, right? Yep. You know, I have to really remember my job. He's still only 13, almost 14, sure. even if he looks big. Like, and so we, our job is to remember that our job is to teach them how to behave correctly and not um, expect for them to learn. You know, it's interesting. Some of the resistance that certainly has happened over two years, it's much less now. Yes. Yeah. But certainly has happened over in you know, the conversations that we had to continually have with teachers that were frustrated with us sometimes. Yeah. Um, you know, just to, I tried to equate it to academics. You teach children yes. how to do fractions one time. I told you how to do it. So you better do it. If you don't know how to do fractions, then I'm going to put you in in-school suspension. What? I'm going to take recess away from you. I don't, what? I can't, no, I'm going to reteach you. I'm going to bring you to the back table and I'm going to teach you again. And I may even have someone else help if, you're, if I'm not getting through. So it's that yes. same mentality. Yes. Um, Behavior is something to be taught just like math yes. or reading. Or particularly now, you know, I don't know about on your campus, um, Stephanie, but when I'm on campuses, these get babies are coming to school and they don't know how to play school because they've been out for two years. Absolutely. I mean, even fifth grade, you know, second graders, first graders, kinders, pre-K, pre-K and kinder, especially 
they don't know how to sit and hang up the backpack and walk in line and mm-hmm. do all of those things that kinders learn to do that first couple of weeks of school. And, you know, yeah. I have middle schoolers who don't know how to play school, you know, so yeah. Um, you really do. And, and we talk about that all the time. Behavior doesn't change just because you want it to, right? You have to teach. You know, too, I think it's a balance because our teachers are stressed. You know, we talked earlier before we kind of started this officially, just, you know, how the year is and how stressful it is just everywhere for everyone in education. And, um, you know, that pressure of they have lost so much academically. So is there even time, you know, just that, that balance of making sure there's time, but I would argue, and I have to continually kind of remind teachers, sometimes you have to go slow to go fast. If I take the time right now to teach them how to behave in my classroom, then when I start getting more difficult academic needs and pressures, it's going to go better, but that's hard to do because there's all this pressure, you know, about schools aren't doing their job and kids are failing, you know. And it's, you know, I've been saying this a lot lately. It's worth the work, right? It's worth the work because, you know, and I think Sissy and I may have talked about this on another podcast, but, you know, I had a kiddo who's a gen ed kid and he was having some social and behavioral issues and we made some recommendations and the teachers were like, one more thing. And then they decided, Mm -hmm let's do it. Let's do this one more thing. And now he's doing great. And so it's worth the work to put it in on the front end so that you're not dealing with it all year long. Stephanie, do I remember correctly that you changed how it was funded? So yes, we, because originally when we had the more traditional programs, we, that, that was, that classroom was supporting our, our children with special education needs and only funded with special education money. And so really at that time, no, I really couldn't service our general education students out of that program. And right. so we talked with the, the business office person here and kind of talked about how can I do that? Because, you know, you're told no, no, no. And I'm like, wait a minute. We have Why to know how, how can I do it? Like, I see I can't do it now, but what do I need to do to make that happen? And then do split funding, which I've learned a lot about since, you know, me trying to do this. Um, and just the, the actual certified teacher in the room is certified in special ed, also in general ed. And she's funded with both, you know, both types of money. Um, we can do that. And that's really critical, honestly, if anybody wanted to try to, to do a kind of thinking about tier three for all kids. Yeah. Um, Regardless of their label, the, the funding does matter. It really does. And can you tell for everybody, tier three is of the response to intervention, t- three-tier model. And so I love that. And then I know we did talk about this last time, but I want you to talk about it this time. Discipline referrals. What's been the change or difference since you implemented this? So that was pretty amazing, honestly. So I, have, I do have the numbers. So now our campus is a second through fifth grade. And about 650 students. And I will tell you, coming from most of my career being secondary, when I came to elementary in general, I thought, what do you mean they're office referrals? I, 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 <laughs> I, do you have, I mean, because I've not worked, I mean, I haven't worked in elementary. So I was, you know, I was misunderstanding what was happening here for sure. But, you know, you just have this misconception about all these like sweet eight-year-olds are going to do everything perfectly. Um, I was wrong. um, And I learned, but um, so in 2019 and 20, which was really when we started trying to implement some new things, right before COVID, of course, we had uh, 256 referrals from August till we went home in March for for COVID. Um, And then the next year, 
just this last school year. And we were in school this last school year. We were not virtual after November. So I still think it was a fair comparison sure. from to that, like August again until March again, since that was the cutoff, we had 12. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and zero ISS or in-school suspension, of course, no, um, no DAAP. That shouldn't happen anyway. Um, yeah, I agree. So it was, it was so different that our, um, our PEAMS person at the administration building called and said, when she was doing her summer submission, she called and said, y'all haven't coded things right. Uh-huh. You haven't done your discipline correct. And we're like, oh, yes, we have. Uh-huh. We have. So yeah, that was, yeah. it was exciting to, to show teachers that. But we also have a way to document that there are behaviors. So it's not like, it's not like our children are behaving perfectly or that we're not documenting the discipline and interventions that are happening. We're just doing it differently. And the goal is to keep kids in the classroom, um, learning to behave and behaving. Right. Um, So, you know, we put in something that we're very proud of and it's worked really, really well. And we just call it an alert system. We probably need something cuter, but um, Mm -hmm. basically it is an alert, just like it sounds through a form that teachers can have on their phone, on their computer, on their iPad, whatever device they have, and that they kind of have with them. And at any point, they can just click that they have an alert and it's color-coded. If it's purple, that means somebody just needs a break and maybe they don't trust them, you know, because even in elementary, you know, they could get lost on the way, right, where they're going. Um, and that's not for every kid that needs a break. Some kids know exactly how to do that. They've learned how to do that. But then we have yellow and yellow means that maybe the child is being disruptive, work refusal, disrespectful, even driving the teacher batty. I mean, because that happens. We're human. We are human. So, you know, the teacher's just like, I have warned this child. I'm, you know, maybe the teacher needs a break um, mm-hmm. from the child. But yellow is just come check on the situation. And so a behavior person will go by and look in the window, maybe take the child out for a walk around the campus, put them back in, or even go into the room, observe, see if that helps get better, just whatever that is needed at the time. And then red is the the other option. And that's basically danger. You know, there's either, it's either unsafe or really fixing to get unsafe with a child just really in crisis, a chair throwing or something, you know, something really that's emergency mode. The beautiful thing about the alert system is that it, when they send it, it goes to all three administrators and all four behavior staff at the exact same time. And that, that system was created by one of the, your staff people, right? It's for the campus yeah. specifically. It is. And it was just created by her. And she, you know, we're talking today. She's like, I want to, I want to make a real app, but I don't know how, you know, because, and it, and it came out of the team. She's part of that team. And, and we just thought we need a better way to, a quicker response time. Um, because not only do we not want children who are starting to what we call a yellow starting to get upset, we don't want them to become reds. Right. If we can't respond quickly enough, then there's a chance they'll go red faster. And we don't want that. Um, so it alerts everyone at the exact same time. So our response time has gone from minutes to 30 seconds or something. Because depending on the color is whether you run or yeah. you walk right. to the room. Yeah. Right. I mean, and there there have been times that six of us show up at the exact same time. And so that has helped teachers feel supported because you they have to be supported. We can't just say we're never having ISS. I mean, that's not reasonable. We're still going to address behaviors, but we're, we'll be there with you. 
We're going to join Absolutely. you in the moment. Yeah. And yeah. the child may have to even be out of the room for a couple of hours to social skills or, you know, direct teach about that behavior. We also, our behavior team, if a child really is kind of consistently doing behaviors that would have previously warranted ISS, we do what we call reset and a behavior person will go into the room with the child and sit the entire time of direct instruction and then pull the child out during the independent time and have that child do that work there. And then they can do, you know, directly talk about these are the behaviors I saw. These are the, you know, really teach that moment. Um, And depending on the behavior in the child depends on how long that happens, how many days or how much time. It's individually. Yeah. And you know, what I love about it is the teachers are being reinforced, right? Mm -hmm. So the teachers press a button and there's six people there. Like, and so, or the teachers being reinforced in that we say, go take a break. I got this, right? And we take over the class, or you take over the class for a little while. So, you know, even though there may have been some a struggle with buy-in in the beginning, their behavior is being reinforced. And as we know, when your behaviors are reinforced, your behavior continues. So see, wasn't that so good? That first part of the interview with Stephanie Cox over at Liberty Elementary, she had so many good things to share about, you know, prevention and interventions and um, just really looking at her data on her campus and really making decisions based on that data, you know, it's just really great. I hope, I I just wish every principal in the world could hear her because she's just got so many great things going on. Me too. And I, and I apologize to the listeners. My voice sounds a little funny. Uh, got a little bit of laryngitis, but yes, Stephanie thing. so inspiring. You would like to see every school be so focused on positive behavior supports um, and, and making a change that way. It'd be great. Yeah, so I know you have a test question. I'm going to read it since your voice isn't doing too great. So in the interview, Stephanie talked a lot about positive behavioral um, interventions and supports. And, you know, for some people who might not be really familiar with that term, it is really kind of a district-wide and then, you know, then it's a school-wide, then it's a class-wide, and then sometimes it's student-specific behavioral support. So the question is, PBIS, or Positive Behavioral Intervention and Support, is designed to A, provide instruction, practice, and reinforcement for students regarding expected behaviors in school settings, B, prevent ongoing behavior challenges, C, provide early interventions for children that display repeated patterns of problem behavior, or D, all of the above. Well, I definitely know that it does provide instruction, practice, and reinforcement for students regarding expected behaviors. If you teach to what you expect, mm-hmm. you'll get more yeah. of that. Yeah. And if you do that, it will prevent ongoing behavior challenges. Once you know what to do, they're more likely to do it than to do the other. Right. And always we want to provide early intervention uh, when we see a pattern. That's how we're going to help. You know, if you're swinging the bat wrong, the sooner the coach gets in there and shows you how to swing the bat, the sooner you're going to be swinging the bat right. So um, I would say it's D, all of the above. Absolutely. You are so smart, even when you don't feel well. (laughs) So thanks, listeners. We hope you enjoy the interview and and part two will be up next week. We hope you have a great weekend. And as always, please like, subscribe, share, or comment on social media and or rate the review on the podcast app that you're using. Or you can go straight to Buzzsprout and post a review there. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a great weekend. Bye.